0: Make my wish right. I wish I were big. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Does It Hold Up? The podcast where we take a look at movies that were released prior to 2010 to see if they hold up to today's standards. My name's Adam.
1: And I'm Emily.
0: And today we're going all the way back to June 3rd, 1988 for a little movie called... Big. Starring Tom Hanks. A couple things to note about this movie. It is currently streaming on Hulu, so if you really want to watch this movie when you're done with the podcast, go check it out over there. And I have seen this movie a few times. It's not one of my favorite movies, but, you know, I've caught it here and there probably like three times in my whole life, which is not that much.
1: This is my first time, believe it or not, Uh This was a movie that I heard about but knew absolutely nothing about, which is so weird.
0: It is weird because this is, like, one of Tom Hanks more well-known. I mean, he's known for everything. Like, he's been in so many movies. Everybody loves him. He's America's uncle. Yeah, I'm
1: I'm actually a really big fan of his, so.
0: (laughs) So, it's amazing that this one slipped under your radar, but maybe it's because over the time, people kind of forgot about it. It's a little bit of a problematic film. There's some, some themes in the movie and some issues that occur that people maybe just, they don't want to watch. That's uh, fair. A couple interesting things to note about this film, just straight off the bat. It had an estimated budget of about $18 million. Okay. It's pretty good budget for 1987 when this was filming. That's a mid-level film.
1: Especially for a film like this. Like Yeah, you don't
0: get that much high-budget comedy films. Yeah. So, um, uh, but it would go on to gross $151 million worldwide. Dang. $124 124 somewhere around $124 million domestically. And that's just noteworthy because Penny Marshall directed this. Okay. You probably don't recognize the name. Some people might, some people might not. But Penny Marshall also directed Riding in Cars with Boys from the 90s, starring Drew Barrymore, which is a really great movie. Also, Jumping Jack Flash with Whoopi Goldberg in the early 80s. This That's not a great movie, but it's a movie. Um, <laughs> but she also directed a movie that we may or may not cover eventually on this channel, too, called A League of Their Own.
1: Ooh, I love that movie.
0: Also starring Tom Hanks, came out a couple years, actually, after Big. I just assume she liked working with Hanks, wanted to make another movie with him. But we get all the way into 1988 that this is the first female directed movie to make over 100 million dollars at the domestic box office really that's just insane to me and not that female directors were really all that prevalent back in the day you know they they work a lot more now than they did before for obvious reasons that we're not going to go into because that's (laughs) a whole political crap you know but this movie of all movies To be directed by a female and then to make $100 million and be the first is just so interesting.
1: Yeah, I would not have pictured this movie being directed by a female, honestly.
0: No, most people don't even... Most people assume Penny Marshall's a man and that the name Penny is just...
1: Short for something? Something
0: else, yeah. So, just little interesting facts. Kind of wanted to get rid of out of the uh, top of the podcast here. Some other things are that this movie was nominated for two Oscars, uh, one being Best Actor for Tom Hanks, he did not win, and the other one being Best Original Screenplay, well, it's now known as Best Original Screenplay, back then it was known as Best Screenplay Written for the Screen, meaning it's not... (laughs) It's not based off of a book or anything like that. It's written specifically for the screen. That that's, is such a
1: long-worded it, yes. way to say original screenplay. Exactly, <laughs> so that's why it,
0: it eventually changed. Uh, but it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay for Gary Ross and Anne Spielberg. Yes, you heard me right. That last name was Spielberg. Um, it's actually Steven Spielberg's sister who wrote this movie. Um, It's why Steven Spielberg was originally up to direct the film, and he was presented the script, and he was actually interested in telling the story, but he eventually declined because he didn't want to steal any of his sister's thunder, him being such a big director already by that point, um, with Jaws under his belt, and with some Indiana Jones, he didn't want to step on her toes, and I think that's really cool of him.
1: Oh, definitely. But once again, really surprised a woman was in the writer's room for this movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is such it's a movie about boys. a boy experience. Yeah,
0: boys and men. and That to
1: have a female writer and female director involved is just, feels like unheard of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just two couple interesting facts off the top. Now to get into the fun of the movie. So we start out with following two boys, uh, one Josh and one Billy. J- young Josh is played by David Moscow, who didn't really m- go on to do much after this. He was in, like, Disney's The Newsies in the 90s, also starring Christian Bale. We're going to eventually cover that movie because it's a really great, terrible musical. Okay. And I can't <laughs> wait to break it down. Um, and then Billy is played by young Jared Rushton, who went on more to do music than acting and we get them just being boys they're 13 year old boys they're talking about who they have a crush on they're playing baseball then they're gonna go to a carnival and josh goes with his parents because he's 13 he's yeah. not going by himself mm-hmm. and there he sees the girl that he has a crush on and he needs to ride the roller coaster all by himself so that he can sit with her But it goes south when she introduces him to a boy that can drive.
1: And the fact that he's just a little bit too short for the ride.
0: Just a little bit. So then he sees this wonderful wish-making machine called Zoltar, and he pops a quarter in, flies into the little genie's mouth, and he wishes to be big. Very nondescript. Just (laughs) big.
1: I want to be big. I
0: mean, he's lucky that the machine did what it did because it could have made him like 300 pounds
1: yeah i was just thinking that like it could have gone south real far and this is one of those things where it's like this could be a monkey paw kind of idea where it it gives you what you wished for but not in the way you expected because you weren't specific
0: enough so it just flips it around on you and Mm -hmm. this could have went so terrible so lucky for him the next morning he wakes up as tom hanks
1: Who Who wouldn't want to wake up as Tom Hanks? Exactly.
0: But he plays grown-up Josh. And okay, give me some thoughts on this initial concept. You know, we're we're at this point where this one thing about this movie—it gets into the overall story pretty quick. Yeah. You know, it it jumps into we're big now. Here we go. Let's do this. Talk to me how we got there.
1: Well, one thing that I absolutely adored about this movie was its like real realistic portrayal of like boyhood. It didn't have to make it like super extreme. It didn't have to like go overboard with any certain aspect of being a young boy for it to like be portrayed well. And I really appreciated even just the the kid actors performances and we're not the biggest fans. I know you definitely are not the biggest fan. No, of I
0: think kids are ch- terrible children actors. Children actors, yes.
1: But they did fine because it felt like they were just being themselves almost.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It was very natural. As someone who used to be a 13 boy, him, 13-year-old boy himself, <laughs> it definitely reminded me I would have been 13 in 1999, so 11 years after this movie came out, but things had changed slightly but this felt so familiar to me uh the boys are of course talking about the girls but then like she gets close so they shut up because oh no we'll talk to her later we'll talk to her later and that's just funny to me and then they're on the playground and there's they're playing baseball and there's this little box drawn on the wall behind them so that they have a strike zone and I vividly remember doing that with my friend Mikey and Nick growing up and I can just I could picture that exact scene and then the they're walking their bike home because one friend doesn't have a bike, but Josh does. So he has to walk his bike so he can walk with Billy. And that happens way more often than it should as a kid where one doesn't have one and one does. But they're, like, making up their own little wraps, their own little handshakes. And, like, that felt, that brought me back. I felt like a 13-year-old boy again watching this because I could remember doing everything they did.
1: I was going to say, it was almost giving me super nostalgia and like obviously I was never a teen boy but the idea of just playing outside with no like outside distractions of technology I was just like oh my god No like random parents covering yes Yes. I missed that kids got to just go be kids (laughs) so it drew me into those characters so quickly with their relationship to each other to the world around them so I was invested almost from the get-go with these characters so when he made that you know, wish when he had that struggle of, you know, I just want to be a little bit bigger. I this, this age kind of sucks, for lack of a better term.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: That age stinks. So he wants to be a little bit bigger. So it's like, I understand that. I'm like, okay. I mean, I was a
0: short 13-year-old boy, and I would have loved to be a little bit bigger as well. Uh-huh. I would have been a lot more specific in how
1: <laughs> I wanted to be
0: bigger making that wish. But we, we all were there. Any of the shorter boys who... Oh, the girl's dating so and so because mm-hmm. he's tall, because he plays basketball, because he does whatever. It's like, cool. I just need like three inches.
1: Especially wrong when...
0: kind of three inches. <laughs> <laughs> Want to grow three inches taller.
1: Especially since girls grow like grow tall quicker. Oh yeah. So it's it's that I that age range where you're like ah it yeah. just doesn't work. Penny
0: Marshall definitely did a really good job of of dropping us into that time period, and it works really well too because. For some reason, the 80s are really hot right now with Stranger Things and Paper Girls all going back to the 80s. It's really a hot time period. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing like watching something made then to get the feel, the actual feel of that time frame. Yeah. And they do such a good job of dropping you in there and just making you remember what life used to be like before all the craziness happened. Mm -hmm. Back when it was all about just excess money and excess drugs. (laughs) That's it. <laughs> so.
1: And then we have him change. You yes. know, he wakes up and he is an adult now. And that was wonderfully portrayed by Hanks. What do you mean? You. I could honestly picture this guy being that 13 year old waking up and being like, holy cow, I'm now an adult. I need to go figure out what's going on. What the heck? You know, like, <laughs> just trying... Like, he even tries to put on his 13-year-old pants. Because
0: he's not thinking, and that's wonderful. Um, the best part about this it brings us to our first fun little fact here. Is Tom Hanks asked um, David Moscow, who plays young Josh, he asked him for, like, some home movies and stuff that he could watch to kind of get his mannerisms down. Because he told him... You play it like you want to play it. Don't try to be a Tom Hanks, young Tom Hanks. You play it because I need to match you. I need to play it like a 13-year-old. So he watched somebody of his home video. He hung out with him. He talked to him. He got to know him so that he could get what it's like to be 13. And then Penny Marshall went even a step farther, and she actually filmed a lot of the grown-up scenes multiple times. And the original filming was with David Moscow playing... The adult Josh. So she had this 13-year-old playing in the adult scenes and recording it so that Hanks could then watch it and get an idea of, okay, if I was actually 13, this is how this scene would play out.
1: That so is, it really
0: gave him this in-depth look at it.
1: Yeah, that is actually fantastic.
0: Oh, it's it's so good. And you can see it come out in the performance. It's why he was nominated for a comedy for Best Actor in a Leading Role. Mm-hmm. Because he put himself fully into it and the whole crew around him helped
1: and that is what makes a, a like age up uh, move like movie work is when it's more so the adult actor having to act like the kid
0: so i get what you're saying like when somebody throws themselves fully into a role
1: mm-hmm. it,
0: you can see it and feel it and here hanks just went all in he yes. said don't even b- bother calling me 32, because he was 32 at the time. Don't even bother. I'm a 13-year-old boy. And you feel it.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: really feel it.
1: And it's what made uh, me stick wanting to to connect with this character. Yes,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. So he wakes up and doesn't realize he's a grown man at first. Goes through about his daily routine until he catches himself in the mirror. His mom's walking around the house, so he's like, Oh, God, I got to run and hide from her because how do I explain this? So he tries to put on his little kid clothes, doesn't work, runs to his dad's room. Luckily, his dad's the same size as him. He throws on some clothes, goes downstairs, and the mom's like, Okay, bye, because he doesn't see her. He just runs out the door because he tries to get back to the carnival to find the Zoltar machine because he found the little your wishes been granted card in his wallet. I it was mean, like, smart choice. Yeah, that that right there. Might be the last smart choice that character makes throughout the whole movie. (laughs) And I know you laugh, but we're going to get into it. Yeah. It feels like that might be the last smart thing he does. But it's a great idea. Try to go find the machine. If you think the machine had something to do with it, go find it. Well, magically, this entire carnival he was just at last night, up and gone, like the snap of a finger. Like, just that quick. Everything. Not just that machine everything magic I, I, it has to be <laughs> at that point so he resigns himself and he goes home and tries to talk to his mom and she gives a great performance here because she is this this man is not being aggressive to her like he just walks in and he tries to explain i'm josh i'm here's my birthday here's my what baseball team i'm on the grade i got in school like he's trying to explain himself he's not coming across aggressive at all And you can kind of see that in her. She's scared, but she plays more confused than scared. Until he gets a little too close and says a little too many things about Josh. That all of a sudden she flips into aggressive fear. And is like, I will effing kill you. What did you (laughs) do with my kid? And it's such a nice little transition for her. Like, I love
1: her in that scene. I honestly was going to say the exact same thing where it was incredible watching her go from just get out oh my god take my purse take what anything you want to what the heck did you do to my son you i better, will murder yeah. you let me grab this knife i'm gonna chase you out with this knife yeah. you did something to my son and that is such a great show of maternal instincts yes to go from fear to immediately like i'm i'm ready to dig your grave you know well, yeah because
0: <laughs> it's like i want you to leave 2 I'm gonna make you leave. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's,
0: it's brilliant. It's one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie because it's just so well done. So she chases him out because he doesn't know how to convince her otherwise. And he runs to the school to find his best friend, Billy. Gotta remember it's the 80s because a grown man just walks into a school. Nobody has a problem with it. He just starts walking down the halls, goes into the gymnasium, bunch of kids hides in a closet staring at them yeah and here's where the movie runs into some problematic stuff and it's not that blatant here like it does get later in the movie but i know he's a 13 year old boy trapped in a 30 year old's body but to the rest of the world that's not what it looks like
1: Mm mm-hmm
0: And so, as an audience member, I go, why is no one mentioning this? This girl man is just stalking this kid. What the hell is happening here? And I know other people feel that as well.
1: I did. A lot. And especially later on in the movie, which we'll get to, where he does a lot of things that are okay as a 13-year-old and might have been okay a little bit for adults back then, but nowadays seems so creepy and would not fly like a grown-ass man going into a what i assume is like a middle school yeah elementary yeah. school area and just just being, wandering the halls yeah being there basically trapping a 13 year old boy in the closet in a
0: trench coat and
1: sweatpants at, at that sweatpants. it's not just sweatshirt
0: oh it is a sweatshirt that's yeah. right it, a,
1: it would have been way, worse worth a trench I, coat. For some reason, I
0: pictured trench coat, and maybe that's just me
1: Probably picturing because you it, because I'm like, oh my god, this is he's so a creepy. a creeper, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but still, sweatpants and a sweatshirt, not a teacher that works there. Obviously, he must have checked in at a desk or something to get into the school.
1: Not necessarily, because I feel like... he just like, went through a side
0: door. Yeah. I Cops should have been called. Yeah. But especially, like, hiding in a closet, staring at kids shirtless, in gym shorts, running around. Yeah. Gosh, so many problems.
1: I mean, maybe he wasn't noticed.
0: Oh, no, but... I know. He's not noticed, and that's even a problem. Yeah. You know. Why it's... do you think
1: there were so many kidnapped kids back then? It,
0: right? Like, <laughs> mm. Watch your kids. So he hides in this closet, which is like the equipment closet for the gym, and Billy has to put all the balls away, so he collects them, and he goes in there, and grown-up josh jumps out and he's like hey i need help and billy in this moment is just again fantastic because he has that look in his eyes of like oh i'm about to either be killed or kidnapped
1: yeah something bad is about to happen to me because some and he looks grown terrified. man is has basically locked me in this room because yes. he's in the way of the only exit
0: yeah it's it's so good and then he's like oh i'm josh i'm josh and Billy's like you're not like I'm not an idiot Josh is 13 you're 90 (laughs) liar and then Josh sings the little song that they created that we heard a little snippet of when they were walking home in the beginning montage and he does the whole thing and Tom Hanks just just kills it in this part he's full in doing the little dance singing the little song of like downtown baby and it's just it's so good And then Billy joins him and finishes the song and the dance with him. And then just you can see the change in his eyes of just like, oh, my God, what happened?
1: (laughs) I was going to say, this is another showing of that actor's ability. Like, even as a kid actor, you could see it in his face, the like slow recognition. It wasn't like immediate flip of the switch. Like, oh, he knows the song. So he must be my friend. No, it takes him a moment, and he, like, has to go from I'm afraid to suspicious to, oh, my God, it's you. What yep. happened?
0: Yeah, and it's great, too, because, you know, anybody could learn a dance and learn songs. If you kidnap, if, if this person had kidnapped Josh, he could have been like, tell me the song, tell me the dance, and he could have learned it. But there's this otherworldly kind of idea going on here Connection where almost. Billy connects with him and goes... I can now, it feels like he sees the 13 year old boy. He doesn't, he no longer sees the 30 year old man. Mm-hmm. He sees the 13 year old boy standing in front of him. And it's so subtle, yet so good. Because every time they're together for the rest of the movie, I just picture him sitting there with another 13 year old boy, with the Josh we met at the beginning of the movie. Because that's how he plays it. Yeah, he plays it like he's looking up at a 30 year old. Sometimes he makes comments about being older but for the most part Billy's acting like he's with a 13 year old like Mm -hmm. that's who's there with him and it's so good so we get they recognize each other and it's like oh crap we gotta figure this out but they have no idea what to do they're 13 year old boys so the only thing they know is Billy goes back into Josh's house steals a bunch of clothes and they go and some money apparently because somehow all of a sudden they have some money and they go get them a seedy hotel in New York for the night. Creepy.
1: I mean they think it's a, a cat, you know, a, a Christian thing. Yeah, they think it's, like, it's like religious because it's St. James Hotel, oh, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's just why is that their first thought? Well, they, I would have loved to see them have other thoughts, try different things. You know, why didn't Billy go talk to Josh's mom and be like, I know this is crazy, but trust me, it's true. They just immediately go to, all right, we got to hide you. And I know maybe that's a 13-year-old boy thing, but I have a feeling it's not considering Josh originally went to go try to talk to his mom.
1: Well, I wonder if they just assume since she rebuffed Josh's... uh... Yeah. trying of talking to her that it wouldn't com- work from billy because obviously she doesn't really care for billy um we've we've seen that through multiple i mean she, it's not that she
0: doesn't care for him it's he might be a bad influence because he keeps josh up late at night and stuff but we never really get the impression at least i didn't that she doesn't like billy yeah so i just don't know why it was josh's thought of she'll believe me as a 30 year old Instead of, she'll believe my best friend, going and saying, I know where Josh is, explaining everything to her, and then taking her to him. It's just weird that their first thought is, steal clothes, steal money, put you in a ho- seedy hotel where you might die.
1: Yeah. It's a little
0: too outlandish there for me. It's a little too much.
1: Yeah, I would just say it's it's dumb 13-year-old logic. Absolutely. Because so, <laughs> why does he also need to go into New York City for it?
0: Well, I'm. it's the 80s. The hotels weren't everywhere. Oh, hotels were weird. only in, like, major metropolitan areas. You could find a few outliers, but it's not like now where, you know, it, 10 minutes from us and we live in a suburb outside a major city, 45 minutes outside a city, and we can go right down the street and find a motel. Why is there a motel an hour outside a major city? Yeah. But you can now. Back then, not so much. But here's where more stuff shines for me. So they get let into this hotel room and you hear the neighbors screaming and they have this little conversation about having to stay there for the night and Billy will be back in the morning and they'll find Zoltaler and they'll get everything fixed. And this is an entire one shot. It's an unbroken tracking shot here. And not a tracking as in like the characters walking down hallways, but Tom Hanks moves a lot in this room. He goes to the door, from the door, to the door, from the door, to the bed, and it tracks him the whole way, and it's gorgeous. It's so good.
1: It creates almost, like, that claustrophobia of being in that room, in that space, because you don't get the million cuts of the six different angles of this room, making Mm -hmm. it feel bigger. You see that it's literally, like, a closet.
0: That Josh feels alone mm-hmm. and cramped and scared and tom hanks is por- acting in this scene is just great too when he sits on top of the luggage that he brought and is breaking down it almost looks like he's starting to laugh a little but he's not it's a full visceral crying going on of
1: being a 13 year old alone in scared. new york city hearing
0: people screaming and fighting yeah Oh, it's so good. And then just have it unbroken and let him act. Let Dear Hollywood, let actors act. Stop cutting around it. Mm -hmm. I get it. You're trying to do action. You're trying to do this. There's three people talking in a scene, so you're cutting. No, no, no. Take a cue from older movies. Take a cue from the TV show That 70s Show where they all sat in a circle and the camera spun around them. Take cues from this stuff and use it. During a conversation, I don't need 20 cuts to get two sentences said. Seriously. Let actors act. Let them be in a moment long term and let stuff play because it's gorgeous when they do. This entire movie is full of long shots. We're going to get to one of the most famous long shots in this movie in a little bit. And I can't wait because it's just so fun to talk about.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So he survives the night, even though he's terrified.
1: One, one thing, though. Yes, yes, please. How in the world is he, like, he is scared to just be in this in this room alone as a 30-year-old. How is that 13-year-old going through this seedy part of New York alone to go home?
0: Well, I'm hoping he just grabbed a taxi and left. Because, How? yes, like, I Billy he puts... He left
1: all his money with uh, Josh.
0: Yeah, Billy puts Josh in the room, says, I'll be back tomorrow, Billy leaves, we focus on Josh in the room, but they're in the middle of Times Square, and somehow they have to get, Billy has to get home.
1: Like, the, not even just in Times Square, in a seedy part where we are seeing there's hookers.
0: Yeah, they definitely. People are.
1: asking for, like, drugs and stuff, so it's like, you literally let this 13-year-old go anywhere alone in this area. Problematic. Very problematic.
0: Very, it's... Almost like they forget some of these little details outside of their main story of Josh.
1: Yeah, because a lot happens with that friend where I'm just like, how did he do this? Oh
0: yeah, tons of stuff. He he comes and goes and he furthers the plot when he shows up because he's been doing stuff behind the scenes and some of that stuff I kind of want to see. Yeah. Kind of want to know how we got there. But he shows up the next day and they decide to go look for Zoltar. So they're looking in arcades, they're looking at other... Uh, gaming places. They're trying to find carnivals and stuff. Can't find it. So they go to the municipal building and they ask for a list of all the carnivals in the area Mm -hmm. and all the arcades so that they can call around and find out. Well, they say it's going to take six weeks, maybe longer, to get this information to them. Yeah. So they just kind of have to resign themselves and say, yeah, well, we got to do it. So they fill out the paperwork, give it to them. Now they got to wait. Well, what do they... What are they going to do in the meantime? Well, Josh needs to get a job. So they go to, of all places, a toy company. How they didn't think to, like, go work at a McDonald's or a grocery store or just something easier, why they went to a large conglomerate toy manufacturer and builder blows my mind. I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure where this leap in thinking was how we got
1: there. Yeah, because we get, like, the two moments of them being like, well, what are you good at? And he's he says stupid things. Yeah, it And just... then somehow we get to this. It was... It was
0: so yeah. when we first started watching... A little side tangent here. When we first started watching the movie for this podcast, I kept referring to Josh as a 10-year-old boy, forgetting that he's actually a 13-year-old boy in this. I just kept going, oh, he's 10. He's 10. That's why this makes sense. That's why... As 13, you should kind of understand things. At 13 years old, you're only three years away from having to get a job, basically. At 16, you could work. Yeah. You're 13. You're three years away. You kind of understood. You've been to the grocery store before. You see people stocking shelves. You see people sweeping floors. You know these easy jobs are out there. And I don't mean to say easy. I'm not trying to belittle anybody but it's stocking shelves at a grocery store.
1: Those are jobs it's that not, people can get.
0: Yes, it's not data entry, which is the job he ends up getting at a toy company. You've played video games on a computer, but you don't know what numbers mean. You don't know what these reports are. You don't, you don't know any of this. Why is that your first thought of go get that job? Mm-hmm. I, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. And I know we have to get there so that the rest of the movie can happen, but oh, it bothers me so much.
1: Yeah, it, it makes very little sense. But jokes are jokes, I guess. Yeah, funny, <laughs>
0: is, funny is funny. So they go and he applies and he does get a job. He gets a data entry job at this company. And he's super excited and it's a little weird. And I get he's trying to deal with the fact that he looks like a 30-year-old now. But he doesn't even try to be a grown-up. And it's a recurring thing that happens throughout the movie... That bothers me to no end, and I just can never look past it when I watch this movie. He never acts like a grown-up until the last moment before he's turned back into a kid.
1: It. He doesn't know what
0: acting is? He doesn't know how to pretend to be a
1: grown-up? Yeah, it it explains a lot why you kept thinking he was 10 years old, because as a 13-year-old, you've seen enough adults, you've... Kind of know how they You know how the
0: world works.
1: Yeah, so the fact that he doesn't even, like, try.
0: No, he he gets jittery. He gets skittish. He gets overly happy about things. He's all like, oh, hey, guys. ah." Come on, read the room.
1: Yeah, and I I mean, he, like, tries to be smart on the way he words certain things so that he's not, like, outright lying a lot of the times. But... It's just, it's not enough when you're thinking of a 13-year-old.
0: Exactly. And that's my problem with it is you make the kid 10, but then you don't get the story at the beginning because 10-year-old wouldn't be riding a roller coaster alone to be with a girl. Like, you had to have these elements, but they could have played it a little differently. Even if they wanted to start with Hanks really being just 13 and not understanding things, but slowly getting into it. But we don't even ever get there. He feels 13 always, and it just, it rubs me the wrong way. I just, I can never look past it when watching the movie. Yeah. It takes me out completely where I'm like, shut up and pretend to be an adult for once.
1: Or even, like, recognize...
0: What you're doing is stupid.
1: Yeah, because he never, he, through all mean? his interactions through with the other adults, he never kind of understands... Like puts it two and two together that, oh, they're making fun of me or what I'm doing isn't seen as normal. Maybe I should change. And At
0: 13, I had some very adult conversations with my 13-year-old friends. Yeah. And this kid can't have an adult conversation to save his literal life.
1: It made it seem more like he was almost developmentally challenged. Yes. But not in like a normal 13-year-old brain. But like someone, a thirteen-year-old who was almost with develop- developmental
0: problems. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. And there's a specific scene that's coming up that really just highlights it fully. So he gets this job. He goes to data entry, starts filling stuff out. He's running through the hall because he thinks he needs to be the best employee in the world. Even though John Lovitz, in a wonderful cameo, tells him to stop. Basically, it's like don't work hard. It's okay. You won't get fired. But he still is like, da, da 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 putting everything in, running to do stuff. And while he's running, he runs into the CEO of McMillan Toys and knocks him on his butt. And this is a wonderful little moment of this CEO being caring and kind. In all, most of these kind of movies, they always start out cold and then have to have a change of heart. Or they're just cold the entire time and greedy, and they have to be moved out of their position for the fun-loving person to come in.
1: Or... They that CEO would be mean the entire time, and that's kind of what drives the character to go back to where they were when they were happy, you know? exactly.
0: So, not here. CEO is just lovey the whole time. You can tell he actually cares. He says, ooh, that's some good hustle. And the guy walking next to him, Paul, who's, like, high up in the company, yells at Josh, what are you doing? Oh, my God, slow down. And he's like, it's okay. It's good to be knocked on your butt every now and then. Makes you feel good. Puts you back in your place. Love to
1: see the hustle. And
0: like that kind of stuff. And he never changes. You get to know him so well that he is there for the kids. He oh, he runs that company for fun. He loves the toys. He loves giving the the, the happiness to the children playing with the toys. Mm-hmm. He is such a good developed character that is a refreshing breath of air because it's different.
1: Oh, yeah. Like we said before, you any other movie would have played this character as the hard-ass person. <laughs> yeah,
0: and Robert Loggia is the CEO. That's the actor's name.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it's just, it's great to see. So they run into each other, and this is where he meets Paul, played by John Hurd, and he meets Susan, played by Elizabeth Perkins. Paul will be his, for lack of a better term, nemesis in this, and Elizabeth Perkins will be his love interest. Do you guys already see where the problem is? This 13 year old boy has a love interest who's probably in her 20s, late 20s.
1: I believe she says 30s. Does she say 30s? I'm I know not the sure. actress
0: was like 26 when filming, so I assume the character must be somewhere around there.
1: Yeah, probably. So,
0: around 30. And this 13 year old boy is now crushing on her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we're going to get to why that's even more problematic in a bit. <laughs> so he he meets all of them, but they go on their way. Then we jump to, I'm sure some little things happen in the meantime that I just don't care about. But major point that comes next is we see Tom Hanks running around. Well, He gets paid, and they, him and Billy go on a spending spree. They go to baseball games. They buy toys. They buy all this stuff.
1: As any 13-year-old would. And food would.
0: and everything. And we do get this wonderful scene with the two boys, well, the boy and the girl and man sitting in the seedy hotel room playing with silly string, and it seems that's such a real scene because that's how you would play with silly string, especially as thirteen-year-old boys, of like snotting it on each other and throwing it up on each other and just wonderful. And I guess the way they got that scene to play out was Tom Hanks and Jared, uh, Rushton. Sorry, forgot his name there for a second. Jared Rushton and Tom Hanks and David Moscow were given toys to play with. And the director and some other people kind of watched how they would play with things. And this is the kind of stuff that boys actually came up with offset, just messing around with toys and silly string and just being themselves. This is the kind of stuff they did. And then it was put into the movie. They had no idea what they were going to do with all the toys when they first decided this scene was going to be in the movie and they let the boys figure it out and that maybe why it feels so real
1: I was going to say that's another one of those really smart decisions when dealing with uh, people of that age is is right
0: like the writer's not a 13-year-old boy i mean gary probably was at some point <laughs> obviously <but laughs> different time period different kind of toys different everything so you can only write so much mm-hmm. so to let the actors not have to improvise on set. Let them improvise and be themselves offset where they're not being on the clock. Watched. They're not being watched, they're not and just kind of observe what they do and then translate that to screen. Brilliant. Yep. Brilliant. There's so many good decisions made in this movie. And some bad ones. So they play with the, play with the toys and with each other, and then next we see Tom Hanks running around a Macmillan toy store. And he's playing laser tag with some random kid.
1: Which also seems super sketch. Go ahead. It's, I know
0: you wanted to talk about this.
1: Yes, this whole scene. And, you know, him playing with several of the other toys aren't all that problematic at all. It's when he's specifically playing, uh, like, basically laser tag with this one boy in particular. That I'm like, ah, oh. as, as a parent, I wouldn't want to... Want, my child doing that with some random stranger and especially because he doesn't like work in the toy store he works for the toy place which can make it a little okay because if somebody asks he's gonna be like i kind of work
0: for the company he doesn't really have to say what he does or anything so like he could be a tester he could be so he can kind of get away with it but i agree it's weird to watch a 30 year old man run around with like a 14 year old boy playing laser tag in a toy store yeah. Which clearly these two people don't have a connection. If it was an uncle and a nephew, fine. Oh, yeah. But there's no connection here.
1: Yeah, it's just some random teenager yeah. that he's playing with. And it's just like, no, that that flew my red flag went up.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. But here, as he's playing laser tag, he gets shot and he gives this overdramatic death, as you do. Of course. And then who walks up but McMillan himself and says, hey... Don't you work for me? And Josh is like, yeah, I do. Uh, I'm so sorry. And he takes all his stuff off. And he's like, oh, are you here with your kids? And Josh is like, nope, just me. He's like, oh, okay. And then Josh is like, I don't know. I just like to play with the toys. I like to come here. And Macmillan does a wonderful thing here where he says, I like to just come here and watch. I come here every Saturday because this isn't what I can see on a marketing report. Mm-hmm. Again, what a great... CEOs, if... <laughs> If anybody ever becomes a CEO that's listening to this, use this as an example. Be in your business, be about your business, take care of your employees. It's awesome. Yeah. So nice to see, especially in movies because CEOs are always the bad guys. Unless our main
1: person protagonist is the CEO. Is the CEO. Yeah.
0: Um so he's like, No, I'm just I'm just watching, and Hank looks at him and goes, What's a marketing report? <laughs> <laughs> And it's just, it's a great little moment of, again, that's when the 13-year-old would come out because he wouldn't know what a marketing report is.
1: Yeah, he would genuinely be asking. Yes. And the adult would kind of just be like,
0: oh, well, you didn't work there. You don't work with that, so it's fine.
1: Or, as he kind of seems to play it, of, you're right. This is what I should be looking at, not a marketing report. Like, you're you're kind of agreeing. What's a
0: marketing report? I don't know. Let's just go play with toys.
1: Yeah. So they start
0: walking around talking about the toys, and Tom Hanks is kind of saying like what he likes about toys, what he doesn't like about other things, what he'd wish for. And you can see Macmillan kind of taking it all in and just kind of watching this grown man talk about toys as if he's a 13-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. And it's great. And as they're walking, we get to the iconic scene from this movie. Tom Hanks' character steps on the floor piano. And he just loses it. He's like, yes. And he starts kind of playing around on it.
1: As we all did. Oh, those absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I
0: still play with toys when I go to the store. And I'm 36. Yep. Doesn't matter. If I saw a piano right now, I'd jump on it as well. hmm So he starts playing. McMillan's like, oh, piano lessons. Josh is like, yeah, three years. And McMillan's like, yeah, me too. And he jumps on and he starts playing along with him. And then they put on this entire sequence of playing a couple different songs. And it's wonderful. And everybody starts gathering around. And you all know the scene. They play chopsticks. They play all this stuff. And it's just so good. They get a couple close-ups of them smiling and giggling. And then they back out and they get this wide of all the people gathering around. And it's unbroken. It's another wonderfully long shot that's unbroken watching these actors be in the moment act, and perform.
1: It was very impressive.
0: It's so good. Fun fact, right off set, right beside camera, were actually two extras who were former piano players and stuntmen and, and people that could and have practiced doing this bit on the piano, dressed like Josh and Macmillan, right off camera. And Robert and Tom looked at each other and said, we're not letting them on camera. (laughs) Not, like, in a harsh way, just in a way of, no, we can do this. And they did it. It was all them. They never switched out for any stunt people or anything. They did the entire scene themselves and crushed it.
1: I would not have been able to do that. Not just because I don't know those songs, but, like, I am just so uncoordinated. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to do it. So... I give them mad props for that.
0: Yeah, it's so wonderful. But there's a little detail in this that I think most people might not even notice it or even realize that they noticed it that makes this scene what it is for me. And it's not the long shot. It's not the what they're doing. It's not their faces. It's not the crowd coming around. If you watch them play when they start getting faster and jumping around, they're hitting wrong notes sometimes they are not perfect when they jump and hit two notes at the same time there's one in particular tom steps a little too far and hits the note next to it so he gets a little bit drop in the note gets a little bit deeper
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they just keep going then there's another time when robert Loggia jumps and he hits two notes at the same time and you can hear both they didn't even change it in post to be correct they left it in but that's so real Because I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to play it perfectly the first time the two of you were jumping around on it. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it so real. And it's so subtle that you don't really pay attention. You don't really need to notice it. But subconsciously, you probably noticed it and felt it.
1: Yeah, that it, it felt more spontaneous that way. Yes,
0: it felt real. It wasn't a rehearsed thing, although they did rehearse it. But they just didn't nail it. And I love that about it.
1: Because any other movie would have been like, we're going to put on this, like, song and dance number, and they're going to do it perfectly, and it will be magic. And
0: then everybody's going to slow clap, and it's going to be great, and somehow there's going to be world peace afterwards. Yeah. And they would just blow it out of proportion. They'd use CGI to, like, erase the glow of the wrong note, and they would, and it would be terrible. Mm Mm-hmm. But this one just, they, Penny Marshall just let it play, and it just played, and it's brilliant. I literally in my notes just wrote, piano scene is the epitome of brilliance. Because it is. And it that added is filmmaking that, at its finest.
1: It added a touch of humanity to both the characters. Absolutely. Because neither one is perfect. And neither one ever claims to be.
0: Nope. And seeing them mess up on the piano but still laugh their heads off and think it's probably the best thing they've done in months means everything. Yeah. So it's just, it's a great scene. But this is then where the movie goes into the fantastical realm of everything. Even though we already kind of dipped into fantasy with the fact that he got big, this is where it gets a little off the rails. Macmillan then gives Josh a promotion to vice president of toy development. development. So basically his whole job now is to come up with toy ideas and play with toys to know what works and what doesn't work literally the dream job of every child out there get paid to play with toys yep what this this man knocked you down running down the hallway that's the first time you met him then later in the movie you guys happen to see each other at the store you dance on a piano together and all of a sudden he gets this major promotion Okay, I get being a nice CEO, but this man has lost his damn mind.
1: Or it's the idea of seeing talent where you. where. it oh, is. Please. Because I... he had some genuinely good ideas about some of the toys that they discussed about, like, had really knowing the product, yeah, and that's vice something president, he probably doesn't see. But vice president of that department? For some reason, I didn't think he got just... vice president right away. I thought he was just part of the team, and then he moved up to vice president after he had the good ideas talking about the building that transforms into a robot. No,
0: because it's right after that that we get a scene between Paul and Susan where he complains. Paul complains, vice president of the. He's been here for a week! Yeah. We get that complaint right away. So it's it's fast. We don't have that kind of time. I mean, the whole movie takes place over like six or seven weeks. There's not that time for him to jump through multiple roles to get there.
1: Yeah. So he, I guess. he
0: just gets it. And it's a little weird to me. Uh, I can look past it, but it is something that stands out. So then we go forward. He's now got this high profile job. He's making a lot of money. So he goes and rents this beautiful, like, penthouse apartment. And just starts filling it with toys, and Billy comes back into the story, and it's all like, what do you do? Oh, my job is to play with toys, and it's wonderful, and every kid's dream. And then, that's it. They're like, they've, they're not even talking about Zoltar anymore at this point. It's just, let's just work on your adult life now. Let's just focus on that. I'm sorry, I get it. Like, you guys filed paperwork, you're waiting to find out, but at the same time, phone books exist? You could look up stuff yourself, you could spend your free time searching for Zoltar. You don't have to wait for this magical paper
1: mm-hmm. in the
0: mail to get to figure stuff out. but they just give up on it.
1: Yeah, that would have made a lot more sense if he was more excited when he first transformed into the adult. But since his first action as an adult was to be like horrified and like looking for a way to get back, it should have been more of a uh, importance to him rather than like oh well i guess i'm going to enjoy myself cuz right. and I up can't until this
0: moment where he gets this major promotion his life isn't all that good. Yeah. His adult life is kind of boring and he probably should want to be a kid again. Yeah. So but they just kind of drop it. They just drop it and we're just going to watch him be an adult now. And then things get weird. Yeah. Because as he's an adult and he starts this job he gets to be in board meetings where he kind of puts paul on the spot because they're trying to make a building that transforms into a robot which it's a skyscraper that turns into a robot and i'm totally with josh here it would be a terrible toy i don't get it (laughs) i just don't get it um it wouldn't be fun to play with so josh pitches an idea but basically he pitches an idea that came out a couple years before this movie came out the insecticons from transformers robots that turn into bugs and I love it, though, because everybody jumps on board. Everybody's like, oh, that's a great idea. Because it is. Because it already exists. <laughs> um, but you get this one little note, and it makes me giggle every time I hear it, because i got to remember it's the 80s. And I wouldn't be surprised. It probably still happens today. But as they're sitting in this boardroom, and everybody's discussing this new, ooh, robots that turn into bugs, you can just hear really loudly one of the people, oh, what about Transformers for
1: girls? <laughs> I feel like that's in literally every board meeting ever. Like, hey, we have this thing. Now let's make it for girls.
0: Let's make it pink and glittery. Perfect. But it cracks me up every time because it's louder than all the other murmured lines. Yeah, (laughs) It's like they focused on it so hard that I I feel like it's almost ADR. It's put in later into the movie. Somebody just said it and they added it in post because (laughs) it sounds so different. And I crack up every time. It makes me
1: really think of like, it makes a little more sense that it had a woman writer and a woman director being like, what do you want to bet this is a funny line?
0: Right. Like it feels (laughs) like they kind of put it in to see who paid attention and who heard it because they knew it was such a stupid thing, but it's so real at the same time because you know it happens in boardrooms today with toys. Even with everything. With everything. Hey, we made a razor. Ooh, let's make a girl one. Hey, we made a, a refrigerator. Ooh, let's make a girl one. Seriously. Yeah, it's but it's so good. It cracks me up. Love that line. And then we move on. And he gets invited to a party. A it's company, company party. a company party. And he shows up in this ridiculous white suit when everybody else is in black tie because it's a very formal party. And Josh shows up in this ridiculous cowboy-looking white suit. I was going to say, a
1: little bit mariachi with all the, like, Yeah, mariachi, stuff.
0: cowboy stuff. It's, it's so funny, and Tom Hanks looks, Mwah, in it. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden, Susan starts getting the eye for him. Thinks he's a little different. Thinks he's a little mysterious, and she wants to get to know him.
1: See, I read this as more of, like, I'm going to seduce him to know his secrets, and to kind of suss him out.
0: Maybe. I I can agree with that. I I could see them playing it that way. I don't think it particularly shows enough
1: in leaning in that direction. But she already has... She's with Paul. She's with Paul.
0: Yeah, but Paul sucks.
1: I understand. I don't think she
0: really wants to be with Paul. I think she's attracted to the power. Could be. I think Paul had the power, and that was attractive to her. And now he doesn't. And now he doesn't, Who has the power? Josh. So she leans towards Josh, like, ooh. So
1: so maybe it was my thought on this, but, like, that's how it was portrayed to me, as she was just trying to almost sleep her way to the top. Okay. And it it really, like, rubbed me the wrong way with her character. Yeah, Absolutely. Especially be like, because
0: we know he's 13, so it's like, ew, don't do that. Even but then worse. also you're sleeping, way, sleeping your way to the top, don't do that.
1: Yeah, when, she, like, a lot of her lines make her out to be a more, like, independent and strong woman, but then this is how she, like, she goes from one top guy to the next top guy, be, making it seem like she's just doing it to get that kind of uh, position. So it... He rubbed me the wrong way so bad
0: and it's just funny that you bring that up though because I feel like you know I, I'm not always the person to talk because obviously I'm not a woman I don't understand the workings of that but I see it a lot in movies where women talk one way but their actions show different mm-hmm. and this is one of those moments where it's like her talk is big strong independent woman she can take care of herself but her actions say otherwise And that happens a lot more in movies than it should.
1: Oh, so bad. Not with the men.
0: Men don't do that a lot. But it's always the woman who just says they're independent, but then actions speak otherwise.
1: And it could just be that there's that kind of connotation of it, like... You know, a a guy doing this might not have that same mental image in your head of being like, oh, well, he's going from one top girl to the next top girl, so he must be sleeping his way to the top. It's that idea because it's so ingrained in people's minds that a woman would do that, that that's the first thing that comes up. So when it's played off in this way on this movie. But see, then
0: make it so obvious that that's not it. mm -hmm. So that I don't even think about it.
1: Like, don't have her be with Paul at all.
0: Yeah, her being with Paul doesn't add anything to the movie because even when she leaves Paul for Josh later, it's not a fight. It's not anything big. She never needed to be with Paul in the first place, and the movie would have played out exactly the same way. Her and Paul just could have been the two that are powerful in the company and have, like, a weird relationship. Not a they're-dating-or-together relationship, just a mutual work relationship that they're always trying to be better and now she's slipping because of Josh. And Paul can say his lines and do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's weird to have them together. I think it was a bad point. They should have just kind of erased that. Yeah. Not had it happen. That's a rewrite they should have done. But she falls for Josh. And here at this party is a moment where... The 13-year-old inside a 30-year-old body makes me think you're, t- you're 10 or younger. Because they try a food... And Josh doesn't like it. And in the middle of the party, he just spits it out onto the floor. Just... And then he makes a huge scene, rubbing his tongue with a napkin, like, making these gagging noises, like, uh, uh." and people are like, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm sorry, at 13, you know better. At 13, if I did that in a restaurant or anywhere, my mom would have smacked the living hell out of me. Mm -hmm. And been like, don't you ever do that in public again
1: it's so ridiculous because at the age of 13 and especially the age of 13 you understand the idea of uh embarrassment
0: and social normity.
1: so you would kind of understand that hey people are making fun of me especially for you know showing up in this weird outfit like you would have recognized that oh i'm different this is wrong I shouldn't be acting this way because people are looking at me like this way. Like, he seems to not have any concept of embarrassment and probably why he never really seems to change or adapt to adult life because he doesn't seem to realize... Nothing
0: registers with him.
1: Yeah, that this is not how people are acting. I'm not blending in. People are making fun of me. Like
0: It's one of the reasons that I always remember him being 10, not 13. And why do you? He seems like a developmentally developmentally challenged 13-year-old. Because When he's 13 in the movies, though, it's fine. It's only when he becomes an adult that it seems like he's not 13.
1: Because he actually portrays that sense of embarrassment when he's 13. Like, the idea of he could not get on the ride because he was too short, he showed the embarrassment. He was super embarrassed, so embarrassed that he made a wish to be bigger.
0: In the beginning, when... They're talking about the girl they like or he likes and she's walking past and he kind of shushes his friend and they kind of try to act cool. He understands the social norms that are supposed to happen. Then when they're on the, on the walkie-talkies at the beginning of the movie and the friend is like, oh, you know, she doesn't like blah, blah, blah. He understands to be like, who does she like? Tell me what's going on. He understands things as a normal 13-year-old, but now he's an adult 13-year-old. And he reverts to being six?
1: Yeah. It it's just it throws you off so bad into where I'm like So he he is handicapped almost. Yep.
0: And it's not even for me the Tom Hanks. It's not Tom Hanks for me. I'm not the biggest Tom Hanks fan. I think he's great in this movie though. Um but it's I don't think it's his problem. I think it's the writing. I think the writing said this is the situation you're in. This is how you're going to act. Mm-hmm. And Tom Hanks was like, okay, because, you know, he's, he's newer in the business. He's been around for a little bit, but he's not the Tom Hanks we all know and love in 1988. Yeah. He's, he's still getting there. He hasn't hit all the rom-coms of the 90s and stuff like that. So I think he just kind of went with it. But I feel like Tom Hanks today would look at that script and go, absolutely not.
1: Yeah. Why would I be doing this?
0: This doesn't make sense. He's 13. No. Rewrite it. Yeah. So it just... This is the scene. The party scene in particular is where it really stands out heavy to me. How much he doesn't act 13. Mm Mm-hmm. So. But they leave the party. They go get a milkshake. This kid... Again, I get it. Power locks in cars were not common in 1988. Neither were lights in cars. So they get in this limo, and he's playing with all the buttons and the radio and stuff, and it's like, who are you, man? Read the room.
1: Sit there and shut up. Also, you tried to be cool in front of girls when you were actually 13, and now you're just like, yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah, now I'm going to act like an idiot? It just doesn't really make any sense.
1: But they get in this limo. They hang out. They talk.
0: They go back to his house, his his new, very expensive-looking penthouse. Mm Mm-hmm. And they play with all his toys. They jump on a trampoline. She thinks they're going to have sex. He has other plans. He gives her a little glowing compass ring so she'll never get lost. And then they fall asleep on the bunk beds. And it's adorable.
1: This, for me, was actually a really good uh, showing of the idea of adults versus kids with language connotation. The idea of, like jokes in kids movies can have two different meanings the kids version and the adult version and this really shows that well
0: yep
1: because he's like oh you know what we we can have a sleepover you know because that that's that's what what
0: she's hinting at she wants to stay and he's like oh you mean a sleepover
1: okay but i get to be on top meaning bunk bed.
0: And my 36-year-old brain goes, (laughs) they're gonna have sex and he's gonna be on top. My 13-year-old brain goes, (laughs) bunk beds.
1: Exactly. So I thought this part showed it off well, and this part is the part that I'm like, okay, I kind of get it. He's 13, a regular 13-year-old kid, and she's a 30-year-old adult. It made a lot of sense, and it kind of made me Snicker in my head, like <laughs> I see both meanings.
0: Yes, I love this scene and I wish this scene was in more of the movie, mm-hmm. this writing, this idea because this is the Josh I wanted throughout the whole movie. He's nerdy, he's awkward, but he's still present because when they're jumping on the trampoline, he seems kind of cool. He's like, oh yeah, let's jump on the trampoline. And then he does a weird adult thing. It's almost very beginning of a porn kind of thing because he lays down on the trampoline and he looks and he's like yeah jump for me <laughs> like super awkward but that's a 13 year old yeah the 13 year old to be like i want to see you jump jump and she's like i can't jump so he gets up and he grabs her hands and he's like yeah i'll jump with you and they jump and it's so cute
1: and that's and then such she, a
0: 13 year old she thinks she's getting laid and but she never makes a move she waits for him to make a move because she's not sure exactly what's happening. So when he runs towards her and she's laying in the bottom bunk, she gets all excited. And then he hops up onto the top bunk. And then he reaches down and hands her the ring. And he throws a ball at the Pepsi machine because he's like, I rigged it so you don't have to put quarters in it. He acts cool here. He acts like the 13-year-old we met at the beginning of the movie who's finally getting to hang out with the girl he has a crush on. Where mm-hmm. Where is this in the rest of the movie? Oh, yeah. It's such a good scene because it completely subverts what you expect, too. You think she's going to come on to him. That's why she's asking to sleep over. And I'm sure she wanted to. That's the way it was written. She had that feeling about her, but she never does. She lets things play out to see what happens instead of forcing it. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful.
1: I love the moment when she puts on the little glow-in-the-dark ring. Oh, yeah, and
0: she smiles like...
1: He's ridiculous, it's, but it's, it's awakening. Cute.
0: It's awakening, and this is a big theme we're going to touch on later. But it's awakening her inner child.
1: Mm-hmm. She's
0: remembering what fun is, and there's a great subtle thing that happens throughout the movie after Josh comes into her life. Of she's in dark clothing, updo hair, very tight updo, very prim and proper when she walks, and then slowly throughout the movie, her hair comes down. She wears brighter colors. She moves a little more fluid. And you watch her transition after Josh comes into her life. And this is that midpoint of all the uppity stuff is gone and she can really let that inner child in. And it's just so good. But nothing happens. They wake up. They go to work. She now kicks Paul out because she's like, no, I don't want to be with you. And he's like, and I know there's a few little scenes in the middle that we're not touching upon. But these we're moving forward to the big beats here. She kicks Paul out because she's like, I want to be with Josh. And they decide, cool, let's be let's be together, let's date. Which is awesome, but super weird still. Yeah. Everything about their relationship, knowing as an audience member it's a 13-year-old boy, just screams wrong in my head.
1: Oh, absolutely. The whole time. But I can also, in my head, kind of realize where she's at, because she doesn't know.
0: No, she doesn't know. But this runs into a problem I want to touch upon when we go into talking about themes and about the people. But... They decide to be together. He pitches toys. Billy hasn't kind of been around for a while. hmm And they pitch a toy, and it's going to be great. And and you can see Josh kind of maybe not really wanting to be an adult anymore. And then Billy shows back up, and he has that packet of where the carnival are going to be, all the arcades that they can call. And he shows up at Billy's office, and he's like, I've been trying to get a hold of you, and you're not answering. Here it is. Let's go find it, and let's get you back to a kid. And this is the one and only moment where little Billy finally understands and has learned what an adult is. And he goes, I'm on a phone call. Please wait. I will get to you when I'm done.
1: I'm busy. I have deadlines. Yes,
0: I will call. I will reach out to you in a little while. And Billy's like, "Uh uh-uh, hangs up the phone, yells at him. They drop the (laughs) F-bomb, and then he calls him an asshole. This is a PG movie, and they get away with it, and it's just so great. come on MPAA relax a little let some stuff happen in some movies it's okay it's not going to damage kids I promise we all watched this kind of stuff when we were little and everybody else turned out fine (laughs) (laughs) um so we get to see him be an adult but then immediately he's back with Susan they're talking about this toy this big pitch that they got to do and he finally tells her
1: Mind you, this is after it is implied that they have had sex.
0: Yes. They've hung out a few times. It's implied they've had sex because they made out while she was in her bra and then the lights went. And she went to the bedroom. She went to the bedroom. So they've probably had sex and that's why they're kind of like pseudo living together. Yeah. And he says, hey, look, I'm a 13 year old boy. And she's like, get over yourself. We have a big presentation. I don't know what you're doing. We all have an angry little child inside of us. Shut up.
1: Yeah. Because as an adult, like having someone else come to you with that that would be the way you reacted to it like oh you're just trying to get out of being having responsibilities so yeah you're just saying you're a kid
0: yeah so it's just weird they fight and then he goes on a trip around his little hometown going to his school again creepy watching kids play ball in a park creepy
1: where they like these kids are the only one other people around and it's just him kind of, yeah. like, staring longingly at them. Well, they're getting their picture
0: tape. Well, you're talking about the kids at the school or the kids playing baseball? Baseball. Yes, it's just two kids playing baseball, and he's just standing there staring at them. Like, Then longingly. the kids are getting a class picture, and he's staring at them. And then the girl that he had a crush on at the beginning is getting into a car with a bunch of other kids, and he's across the street staring at them. What? What? <laughs>
1: As a movie, like, having gone... As a
0: montage, it works.
1: Yeah, because we've been on this experience with him. We yes. kind of understand, like, oh, this is him, like, realizing what he had. That That's the idea of it. But as a normal person who would just be like, this is a random dude now staring at these kids like this is not okay.
0: Yes. As a montage, it works because they're all just seconds long. But when you think about the fact that he's been... He can't drive, so he's been walking... This little town, this entire time, stopping to stare at kids, why has no one noticed? Because if even one person noticed and the cops got called and they brought him in, guess what? Josh's mom could have showed up and been like, that's the guy. Mm -hmm. And then he spends the rest of his life in jail while they question him about where Josh is, and they think he's crazy because of this whole Zoltar thing. He'd go into a mental ward. Yep, (laughs) and that's how the movie could have played out. But for some reason, nobody questions this weird guy walking around town staring at kids.
1: Because it was the 80s.
0: I guess. Once again,
1: no wonder so many kids were kidnapped.
0: Yeah, uh, serial killers galore back then. Um, So just super weird. I get it. He's reminiscing... He's trying to decide if he wants to stay an adult or be a kid. So he has to go look at the things that he remembers as a child. Um, And then we cut to they're in the boardroom or he's getting, he's in his office getting ready to go do this whole pitch. And Billy walks in, throws down a piece of paper and says, this is where Zoltar is. I found it. Yep. Do you want to do this? And Josh hesitates. And then the intercom opens and it's like, Hey, they're ready for you in the meeting. And Josh says, okay, I'll be there in a minute. And Billy gets pissed. It's like, whatever, I'm leaving.
1: Yeah, and I like, too. Okay,
0: cool. Yeah. A- excellent. And this is where it's like, why was Billy gone for this whole time? He did all this work by himself. Why weren't we checking in with him, making these phone calls, finding this Zoltar? Why did he even go find this Zoltar? I know he misses his friend, but it's clear from the last time they talked, he doesn't really want to be a kid again. So why'd you do the legwork?
1: Yeah, that last little bit of hope. I yeah. guess.
0: Like, maybe if I do the work and I put it in front of you, you'll have no choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he goes to the meeting instead. And halfway through the meeting, which also their toy that they pitch, great idea. But I remember something coming out, and it's probably based off this. Maybe an inventor saw this movie and was like, let's make that. Or maybe it already existed. I was a child. I don't remember. But there was this little toy that was a pick-your-own-adventure comic book style electronic thing mm-hmm. and it was like you hit the buttons and then the page would do a thing and it was really cool but that's what they pitch but halfway through the pitch billy just leaves he just walks out and then susan's like oh uh yeah i'll take it over from here and then she just leaves because she's like oh my god
1: he actually he is actually
0: might girl. be a boy because she says it only costs us seven dollars to make and it retails for 18.95 and Paul's smug ass cuts in and goes, "I don't get it. Kids are gonna pay eighteen ninety five for this." And she goes, "Yeah, kids will." And it dawns on her right in that moment: of course, kids will pay eighteen ninety five for it.
1: Josh, is a kid. Up is with a kid.
0: It. He he knows.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she she runs after him. I don't know what she's gonna do if she catches him she going to convince him not to go back to being a kid? Does she just want to see the magic? Does, Does she, she think he's actually him? crazy? Confront him? We don't know. Because we never get to find out. Because he finds the Zoltar machine and makes his wish before she finds him. So, little too late. Yeah. They talk and she's like, okay, yeah, I get it.
1: You got your wish. You got
0: your wish. She drives him back to his, to his block by his house. And he points and they get out of the car and they talk for a second and then she kisses him on the forehead gets in her car when she turns back around he's now young josh again and he's walking home in an overgrown suit great great visual and end of movie basically
1: yeah we get to hear josh's mom be like oh my god yeah freak out
0: and then we see him and billy hanging out again and end of movie
1: yeah super underwhelming
0: yeah super underwhelming ending I don't feel like anything was really resolved, and I also just have a problem because I get missing your family. I get that, right? And I get it being weird, and you're not fully developed in the brain, even though your body is. I get all that. But this man has a wonderful life. He has this wonderful, I mean, give it another month or two, and he's probably second in line to take over the company when McMillan passes. He's on that trajectory. He could run a toy store. Yeah. He's got this beautiful thing. He's got a beautiful girlfriend now. Everything's coming up roses for him. I'm not exactly sure what makes him want to go be a kid again. Watching kids do stuff is like, dude, just go play baseball. Like,
1: Yeah, they literally don't do a good enough job kind of showing that turn in him. Like, he gets... Busy at work, I guess, you know? He's kind of reminiscing about doing stuff as a child, but, like... That's, I mean, I
0: reminisce about being a child. I'm not trying to go make a wish to become a
1: child again. So, it, it's just... It doesn't explain it well, and it doesn't show us enough as to why he would make this change of heart.
0: Yeah, they just don't do a good job of telling you why he wants to be a kid again. They kind of just assume that everybody would make that choice and I can tell you sitting here honestly right now I would not have made that choice
1: yeah his life seems so much better his life
0: was so good as an adult and maybe in his mind he's like well I got here once I can get here again no dude it don't work like that (laughs) when you go to high school and you graduate and you got to go get a job you ain't just walking in McMillan's and being like hey I want to be head of toy development no
1: especially because you don't have that mind anymore you
0: don't now you have a grown-up mind so it's not going to be the same. But I get missing the family and everything but there's there's gotta be a way that he could have used Billy to explain what happened and get his mom to, to understand. She would have missed her little boy growing up but she still could have he still could have been in that family's life. He could have found a way to do it. Mm-hmm. He just didn't try. It's just it's weird. it's such so lackluster. I don't I get it. it's the happiest ending. It's the most logical ending, but at the same time...
1: It's <sighs> a nonsensical ending. To not,
0: yes. I would love to see the struggle more in him to decide, to make that decision. But that's one of the things I have a problem with this movie, though, is pacing. Pacing's all off. We we spend a lot of time with things we don't need to spend a lot of time with. Mm-hmm. We rush through things that we shouldn't have rushed through. When... Josh first gets a job at Data Entry, and he gets $187 a week. And they go and they have, they go to a baseball game. They do all this stuff. We get narration of Josh telling us all the wonderful things they do. No, no, no. That's stuff I want to see. I want to see a 13-year-old with his first big paycheck and what they do with it. I need that scene longer. Mm -hmm. I need more of that. I do not need five minutes of him spitting out food at at a party. Yeah that was way too long him just spitting out and going "Uh, uh, uh," and then she goes you want to get out of here and we can cut to the limo to them getting in the limo we don't need them walking out the pacing's off for me in this i feel like shorten things lengthen things we could have just this movie's already pretty good could have been great yeah could have been great
1: but then you get to some of the aspects that if you really like think about this movie are troubling
0: oh so so troubling
1: the idea of how just how scarred pretty much everyone in this movie would be after this like well, let's, let's
0: let's break it down so we have miss baskins josh's mom whose child has been kidnapped in her eyes yes, yes he's returned safely but for two months he was not at home and she presumably thought he was dead
1: yeah because she never heard from him she heard from From the kidnapper, quotes.
0: And a letter. He did write her a letter at one point. But, like, who knows? She never thinks she's going to get him back. He could be dead. He could be thinking all this. She is scarred for life. A grown-ass man walked into her house and said, I'm your son, and then her son was missing. Yeah. She's, it's done. She, She doesn't know what to do.
1: She she would become Broken. a helicopter parent after yep. that. So it makes absolutely no sense. So that, that was the start
0: of it. Is that what you're telling me? Oh yeah. She started helicopter parenting?
1: All all of those parents of the kids who went missing, that those that were the start of the helicopter parents.
0: Just insane. But, but the idea yes. that
1: the those two boys would be at the end of the movie alone, like no. No. That that probably would never not. happen.
0: So, she's scarred for life. The best friend, Billy, is scarred for life. Yes, he still got to hang out with Josh, but he watched adult Josh. He was a part of that. They fought, realized that they're probably not going to be friends when they get older. Mm -hmm. He saw it happen in real time that they are not going to be friends when they are older. It is so... It's damaging.
1: Damaging the idea that this person who I've been friends with forever, I literally live right next door, so we've probably been friends since we were born practically and now all of a sudden that that friendship can just go away like that and it as quick
0: as that carnival disappeared their friendship can disappear Mm -hmm. and that's crazy one thing about miss baskins i wanted to touch upon real quick too is what happens now when josh gets older and he looks exactly like the man who broke into the house and she thought was josh's kidnapper (laughs) yeah Is that going to... That's going to damage her even further.
1: Because you know she's never going to forget that face.
0: No. She will never forget that man standing in front of her, claiming to be her son. Maybe when he reaches that age and he looks like that, she'll think back and go, oh, he was telling the truth. And it all makes sense to her. But, wow, that's going to mess her up then. Oh, yeah. Then we get the girlfriend, Susan, who... Wow, now you have to deal with the ramifications of the fact that you slept with a 13-year-old. Yep. Yes, he's in a 30-year-old body, but all the signs were there that he was not mentally correct. And you did it
1: anyway. Mm-hmm. And just how almost betrayed she would probably feel at that. To be like, oh my god, you know, am I'm i going to suspect everyone I'm with now, I'm not going to be able to trust anyone. Yeah. He,
0: she's going to meet a guy who has a free spirit and is like fun loving and wants to do interesting things and who loves toys and comic books. And she's always going to go, how old are you? Are you really what you say you are? Mm -hmm. She's not going to trust guys ever now. If they're free spirited, she's probably going to end up with some, she's going to end up back with Paul, the stuck up guy who you 100% knows is 70 years old. Like, it's insane how damaged the rest of her life is going to be. And then, they just, that company, what what are they going to do? They literally just up and lost their vice president of toy, toy development.
1: Who basically just disappeared.
0: Who just disappeared. They're going to wonder who disappeared. McMillan Mac- was, like, caring for him. Like, you know, looking out for him. Almost and as if it was gone. his own son. Yeah, like, and he's just gone. So, the company's going to be messed up trying to figure out what the hell happened. And then... Josh himself is going to be like, I know the life I can get. And he's going to strive for that, and he's never going to get it because that's just not how life works, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So he's going to live up to or try to live up to something that's never coming. And you know how damaging that is to a psyche? To be like somebody's like, hey, when you grow up, you're going to be a baseball player. And then your entire life, you work to become a baseball player. And then when you don't become a baseball player, then what?
1: It, It, ugh. Yeah, this this is the part of the movie mentally where it just completely breaks down for me, which is where I'm just like it gives me ugh feelings.
0: Yep, which is why I think they had to just kind of abruptly end it so lacklusterly because if you think too hard about it, it's a problem. It's a big problem. Another aspect of the film I did like though was when Josh is an adult, all the people around him speak to him. Like a child. When he spits out the food and she's like, hey, you want to get out of here? He's like, I want a milkshake. She's like, yeah, we can do that. She talks to him like a little kid who's crying and is like, oh, you want to go get ice cream? That'll make you better. She talks to him. And it's all subconsciously. It's not very, like, outright. Oh, it's okay, little boy. But then one point him and Paul are playing handball or racquetball. Something of the sort. And... He's talking to him like he can't, Tom Hanks' character, Josh, can't pick up the ball. He's like fumbling with it as it's bouncing around. He's just like, come on, little little boy, you can do it. You can do it. You got it. Oh, you got it. Good job, buddy. And it's like, that's how you talk to kids. McMillan even talks to him like a kid. Everybody talks to him like a kid. After that racquetball scene, he's got scrapes and stuff. And Susan is sitting on the ground using iodine and like putting it on there. And taking care of him like she's the mother and he's the kid. And it's just such wonderful, subtle details like that that goes, oh my god. Subconsciously, these people really do see him as a child.
1: Probably because he's acting like a child. Like a
0: child. And yet it still doesn't draw red flags for anybody. Like, why is this 30-year-old man? Why are we all treating him like a kid? Yeah. And it's just so interesting, yet makes perfect sense in the world that's created that they would talk to him in that way
1: it is an interesting detail which unfortunately makes the problematic parts even more problematic it makes
0: the good parts better but it makes the problematic parts worse
1: because it really boosts the good part the the theme of being a child at heart because of him being a child around all these adults in a industry based on children. Yes. It really brings out a lot of their inner children. So it's, it's that great idea of he's having that effect on these adults who've almost seem like they've grown bitter to the world. Yes. And which he sparks their inner child again.
0: And that's a great thing that you bring up there because the whole theme of this movie is not forgetting where you came from and the child you used to be. There's only two people in the movie, of the adults that remember their children, and it's Josh because he's actually a kid, and McMillan,
1: mm-hmm. who
0: understands he needs to run a company, but that's why he goes and looks at the toys, looks at the kids playing with the toys, he and can dance on the piano. He remembers being a child. He has that that feeling in him. Everybody else is only an stuck adult. up grown up. Yep. And that's why her arc is so cool. Her arc is better than everybody's arc in this movie. It's her movie, as far as I'm concerned. Because she's the one that gets the arc. Josh doesn't change. Josh is a 13-year-old boy through the whole movie. Yes, he grows big, but he's still a 13-year-old boy. He doesn't change. She does, though. She goes from stuck up to remembering what it's like to be a kid and have that feeling again.
1: And to just be able to have fun and to live in the moment. Which
0: is why a lot of people remember this ending of the movie differently. There are people out there who swear Susan makes a wish to become 13 again.
1: Really? So that
0: she, yes. It is a whole thing that people remember the end of this movie being that she makes a wish to become 13 so that she can relive being a kid and be with Josh. But it's funny because obviously that's not what happens. But there's a movie that also came out in 1988 called 14 Going on 40. Which is basically the same idea. A boy becomes an adult. And at the end of that movie, the Susan of that movie does wish to become a 13-year-old girl again. Mm. So I think people are confusing the endings. But it's just so interesting that people put that ending on this film because they're so invested in the Susan character that that's the ending they want for her. Because they see the inner child coming out in her. They want her to be able to experience that again now that she knows what it's like.
1: But I actually appreciate that she doesn't. Well, of course. Because she even... They have the conversation. He's like, well, you could wish to be this way too. And she's like, I've been there. I hated it. I'm not going back to that. But she's still getting to have that aw- awakeness in her of that inner child. Right,
0: because you know she's going to go back to the company and she's going to continue to pitch toys. And she's going to continue to understand that job better now. And she's going to become the new Josh. Maybe. But you have that I feeling that, like, it's been awakened in her now. and She's going to see the world entirely new. Yeah. And it's just great. It's why she's my favorite character, although she's super problematic. But it's not her fault. She didn't know. Yeah. And why? And it's one of the reasons leading into my next point of why I hate Josh. I hate Josh because... He doesn't understand social cues, which, that's fine, he, he never, he, but explain that. Is he, is he autistic? Is that why he can't understand how to be an adult? Is he de- developmentally challenged in some way that he can't understand to be an adult? Why does he never get to the point of knowing how an adult should act? And I get it because it's the comedic effect of the movie, but within the actual story, it makes zero sense. And then I also have a big problem with it because he blatantly withholds the truth from Susan and allows all of that to happen. You could have told her at any time. The minute you two started getting close and you had this connection, you could have brought it up so that you didn't scar her for the rest of her life. But you just held it and went, we're going to have sex and then I'm going to tell you that I'm only a 13-year-old boy.
1: Well, to be fair, at 13, like... You hear all those stories about kids getting groomed by older people. Absolutely, but there's no
0: grooming happening here.
1: I understand that, but he's doing the grooming as as that age. You have someone older like giving you attention. That's not immediately what you're thinking. Like, oh, I'm getting groomed, or oh, I should, you know, tell her because I'm. But he's in it. He's in it
0: just as much, and he knows what's coming. That's he's thirteen. It's not like he doesn't know what, what crushes are, what kissing is, but he knows all that. He knows what kissing is. He knows what attraction is. I'm sure he's heard about sex. At 13, I knew what sex was. He knows this stuff. There's no reason he should ever let it go that far without telling her. Yeah. And then only after they have sex does he go, hey, by the way, I'm actually a 13-year-old boy and I want nothing to do with this. Terrible He's a terrible character, and because he's our protagonist, we're like him. And because it's Tom Hanks, we do like him. And because he's fun, we like him. But he's the most problematic character in the entire movie, and I hate it.
1: I agree. I I can see what they were like, how How they they were thinking. How they could potentially be like, oh, as a 13 year old boy, he wouldn't necessarily say anything because he wants this or whatever. But, like, it does make it super gross.
0: Yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. He
1: would be the only one at fault in this situation because he withheld that information. Absolutely. Like, she is not at fault whatsoever. In fact, as soon as she knows for a fact that he is 13 years old, like, Tom Hanks goes in for a kiss at the end of the movie. Went after he's already being transformed, basically, back to a 13-year-old, and he goes in for a kiss, like kiss goodbye, and she goes and kisses him on the forehead instead.
0: Well, yeah, because the script originally wanted her to kiss him on the lips, but the actress, Elizabeth Perkins, said absolutely not. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. She now knows he's 13. I'm not doing that.
1: And Which, that's
0: when the kiss on the forehead comes from, because she knows now.
1: So she, while is a problematic character, only because she does not know. So, she's actually not a problematic character? Exactly. I've
0: never thought she was the problem. I always think Josh is the problem. Yeah. He puts everybody else into problematic situations, and I don't understand why he's so beloved. And I think it's really only because he's played by Tom Hanks, and he's written kind of funny.
1: Oh, yeah. Tom Hanks can make almost anyone loved.
0: Exactly. Like, he could be a serial killer, and you'd be like, nah, he's cool. Yep. It's Tom Hanks. It's fine.
1: He can murder me. He could
0: do no wrong. It's... So I get it, but watching this movie, it's super problematic because our protagonist is terrible. Yeah. And I cannot look past it. I just can't. Yeah. Last little fun fact that I have before we go and do a wrap up here is early in the movie, we meet Josh's little sister, Rachel. The mom calls down, hey, bring Rachel with you when you come down, right after Josh transformed, and we see this baby get pushed in this little thing. Now, you can Google it, and there's a couple people claiming that they're the actress who played the baby. But to this day, no one can confirm who the baby is.
1: How could no one confirm
0: it? I don't know. I was I was I was searching through it. I I, I heard about this fact a while ago, and I was searching through it earlier and And trying to figure it out. And there was a couple actresses listed. But nobody has it on their resume as, like, I was the baby in Big. And nobody's ever stepped forward to say, like, that's the baby that was in Big. It's just a mystery on who the actress is that played baby Rachel. And that's so funny to me. (laughs) It has nothing to do with the movie. It's just this weird little side note. And I love that so interesting
1: (laughs) how do you not
0: know just call the accounting department and figure out who the hell you paid for that role and we'll know who it was (laughs) but you can't because obviously you didn't pay the baby yeah you paid the parents and if you can't reach the parents anymore it just they didn't act after this so there's no connection to who they are or what but nobody can really narrow down exactly who played the baby
1: internet get on it
0: yeah figure it out come on twitter do your thing interesting yeah interesting so all right final thoughts go ahead wrap it up
1: while i had a lot of fun watching this movie it does not hold up there are so many issues and problematic parts of this movie that i just cannot get past and literally had my skin crawling at parts of it being like oh no oh no Uh uh-uh that i can't look past it for me does not hold up
0: there um and that's through fresh eyes first time ever seeing it in our year 2022 for me there's so much good in this movie the cinematography is great the world building is great the acting is all top notch it's the score is wonderful the moments are wonderful some of the dialogue is really good from characters outside of josh for me everything about this movie works except for our protagonist He does not work in any way whatsoever for me. And because of that, I have to agree, this movie doesn't hold up. It has too many problems, too many glaring things that cannot be overlooked. And in the eyes of 2022, I want to love this movie because I used to, but I no longer can. So this movie does not hold up
1: yeah we're not saying that you can't enjoy this movie like clearly it's an enjoyable movie i enjoyed it it's just
0: it doesn't hold up if they made it again today it would have to be rewritten from the ground up yes and so much would have to be changed because that the concept is wonderful the way it's made was not yeah so all right guys there you have it that's two no's from us it does not hold up Come follow us on Twitter at does it hold up one three and let us know if you think this movie hold up. You should also follow us over on TikTok at does it hold up an underscore between each word. We drop little fun facts about other movies and little short clips and stuff. So come check that out. It's a really good time. In the meantime, we'll be back next week with another movie. I have no idea what it's going to be. In the meantime, (laughs) if you follow us on Twitter, drop us some suggestions. We would love that. Um, So yeah, that's it, guys. Keep watching your movies.
1: Bye.